Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Almighty God, enlighten our hearts and minds to see you at work in the scriptures. Restore in us this compassion we see so clearly in the ministry of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our scripture today comes from Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. Hear these words. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, Go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, Do you understand what you are reading? He replied, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb silent before its shear, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, About whom, may I ask you, does a prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak and started with this scripture. He proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he was passing through the region. He proclaimed the good news all the towns and came, until he came to Caesarea. The word of the God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So um, I do hope that you'll remember uh, Pastor Josh and his family in your prayers. Um, uh, Josh's grandfather had been on hospice for a number of weeks and um, had not been responsive last week and had not taken any nourishment for a number of days and uh, passed away on uh, Wednesday. And uh, Josh and Jennifer and the kids went on up to Arkansas. They drove up 12 hours, um, uh, was part of the funeral service on Friday, uh, rested on Saturday, and they're traveling back today. So prayers for him. Um, uh, Also, um, smaller, but purse for me, because I didn't know I was preaching until uh, Thursday. Um, And so uh, Josh had picked out text and title and somewhat of the outline, and um, John Wesley says that Methodist preachers should be prepared to do four things at the drop of a hat with no notice. They should be willing to um, pray, sing, preach, or die. And I'm just happy that we're looking at the third and not the fourth, right? (laughs) 
It's a difference, right? We've been talking about cultivating compassion. We've looked at stories in scripture of the woman with an issue of blood, uh, with blind Bartimaeus. We've also looked at um, the four uh, friends who carry the paralytic man to Jesus. And now today we're looking at uh, the Ethiopian eunuch. We're looking at what does it mean to have compassion for others, to have compassion for ourselves, to be able to see the world uh, laced with kindness as opposed to division. Now, um, uh, David Hill does not appreciate being embarrassed, so I'm not going to embarrass him. But did you notice how beautiful that anthem was? How well uh, uh, chosen it was for the theme? Uh, Tear down the walls? I I won't tell you this, but the words and the music were written by David Hill. And so what a gift we have here in this place. So cultivating compassion has been just that. How do we tear down the walls so that we can express God's love, so that we can see how God's love might transform those around us and even ourselves? So difference, difference. Now, um, I've had those experiences when I was a kid. I've also had these experiences as a parent, you know, walking with uh, a kiddo. Uh, You're in the grocery store, you're at the bank, you're somewhere, you're waiting in a line, and there is somebody around you, maybe in front of the line, who is different. You could say they got purple hair. You could say that um, their ethnicity or nationality are different. Maybe when they speak, they have a different accent. Maybe they are wearing traditional garb of someplace else. Difference, it doesn't matter what kind of difference. You and I both know a young child is gonna do what? Stare. And what is our best response as parents? Stop staring. Right? And usually we, we say that stage whisper in such great volume that the person whom we're hoping to not draw attention to hears it, right? Don't stare. Is that the best we got? Don't pay attention to difference? It's a strange idea. Now I have to say that I, I feel a little bit like I have credibility in being ostracized. I, in high school, was very proud to play the tuba. Nothing wrong with that. Um, I was also quite proud to be the, not the president, but the vice president of the chess club. Yeah, don't, I know, there's haters, you know, but just, you know, recognize, right? Um, And um, I loved video games, and I could quote all of the script of Star Wars to you. I mean, I was a catch, right? (laughs) I continue to say, I married up. I don't know what Amy was thinking. Difference. What do we do with difference? Our story today from scripture is a story about difference. Um, Actually, Acts chapter eight, nine, and 10 uh, takes off, uh, bites off a big chunk of difference for us to chew and to swallow. Uh, Earlier in this chapter, um, uh, Stephen is stoned and the disciples and apostles scatter for fear that they would be stoned next. Shortly after that, um, uh, Peter and John encounter Simon, the sorcerer, right? Are you getting a a trend here that we're going to talk about people who are outside the fold? And and this wasn't like um, a magician, right? Though there was a little bit of sleight of hand, but Simon the sorcerer was someone who would be willing to put a spell on you for whatever purpose, as long as your credit card cleared, right? As long as the check cashed. 
Simon was interested in making money. And when he saw the things that the disciples could do, what the apostles could do, he was like, I need a retirement plan, get me in, right? But yet in the midst of all of this, the disciples convince him and persuade him that their answer, that his answer was not making more money, but coming to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. It's interesting that if you go back to the Old Testament, what do we do with people who practice witchcraft? We don't invite them to come to church, right? There's something along the lines of stoning them, right? Acts chapter eight bites off a big chunk of difference and asks us to swallow it. So um, the story goes on that uh, Philip uh, encounters the eunuch. Now in chapter 10, the apostles, uh, Peter and John, they encounter a Roman centurion. Now, I know today we understand the military to be part um, of what we understand as church and America and as freedom, but in those days, there was this kind of nonviolent pacifism, and especially if you were the military and you were part of the Roman Empire, that it was hard to believe that anyone who was part of the Roman Empire could be part of the church. And so, um, The Roman centurion has this vision from God. He sends out two of his lieutenants to go find some of Jesus' followers and to bring them back. And so Philip and John, or um, Peter and John, do a great job of convincing the centurion about finding uh, his Lord and Savior as Jesus Christ. These are powerful stories of difference. Now, what's interesting about our story about the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip is that the eunuch needed no convincing to become a Christian. Do you know who needed the convincing? Philip. Philip was the one the Spirit had to work on. As you read the story uh, in Scripture, there are these number of places where the angel of the Lord speaks to Philip, right? At first it is, get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. They say this is a wilderness road. Think uh, county road. Think um, maybe a skinny dirt road, right? And as he goes down this road, he comes upon an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official. Um, And the spirit says, go talk to him. Now let's talk a little bit about uh, chariots and eunuchs and Ethiopians, oh my, right? Um, A chariot, we think that's quaint, right? We think, oh, chariot, a way of uh, going someplace. No, no, in these days, a chariot was often and only a, a vehicle used for military purposes, right? So this eunuch is sitting in, I don't know, like an Uber Black, would that work? Is that how you refer to it, right? The really fancy upscale Uber, you know? So like sitting in the back, he's chilling with his Kindle, he's reading through the scripture, right? And, and, and here Philip's looking in the tinted windows and seeing him read the scripture and says, knock, 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 do you know what you're reading? Right? Now remember that Philip would have been on the run because he's terrified he's gonna get stoned. And so he looks like a vagabond. He's you know, barely got the shirt on his back and he's been running through the wilderness. Uh, you have to imagine this is, this is um, street guy meets very powerful GQ guy, right? Yeah. And also to kind of push it a little bit further, the Ethiopian eunuch was learned. He, he knew how to read. I know we take that for granted in today's day, but literacy would have been only for the privileged or um, uh, the clergy, right? And so here he is reading Isaiah, scripture tells us. 
And so uh, Philip asks him, do you know what you're reading? And the eunuch says, yes. And he asks a question. He says, um, this passage that talks about a lamb led to a slaughter, uh, you know, a, a lamb who is silent before its shearers, um, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? And uh, Philip goes on to tell him uh, the story of the gospel, uh, teaching him the scriptures along the way so that he understands the metaphor that Jesus is the lamb of God and that, that when the lamb is brought for slaughter is silent before his uh, uh, shearers. And so the, the, the Ethiopian eunuch is learning about faith, learning so much about faith that as they are going along in his uber black, they come upon a stream, a body of water. And the Ethiopian eunuch says, so what's to keep me from being baptized? Oh my gosh, like there is a, there is a response there that you could ride, that you could drive a Big Mac truck through. What isn't, you know? I mean, everything keeps this guy from being baptized. Regardless of where you want to go in terms of culture and religion, there is so much difference between Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. For one, Old Testament law would have said that a man who had been sterilized like the eunuch had could not be, because he was not whole, could not become a Jew or a convert, convert to the Jew. Uh, to Judaism. How do we know that this might be an interest of the Ethiopian eunuch? It's because he was in Jerusalem to do what? To worship at the temple. So he would have been barred from being anywhere close to the, uh, to the altar and to the presence of God. The Ethiopian eunuch, um, being Ethiopian, um, I think this is an important part of where Luke is trying to stress to us that this guy ain't from around here. Um, when we look at Acts chapter 2, the Pentecost story where all of the different um, groups of people who hear their language in the midst of the rushing wind and the tongues of fire and the speaking of languages, do you remember? I, I mean, I always remember because it's really fun, like all the different, right? There's one that's Cretans, which makes me, you know, sound like it's, you know, to the moon, Alice, yeah, Cretans, right? I mean, like, it's just a strange group of people. I hope there are no Cretans here today. But, but like that list, do you remember that list? Who is not a part of that list? Ethiopia, right? I mean, at, at every turn, Luke is trying to tell us that this guy is not from around here. Whether you wanna uh, describe it as his uh, intelligence and his learning or his responsibilities, right? Um, someday when the children are not present, we'll tell you why he became a eunuch and he's in charge of the treasury, right? Um, you know, uh, uh, that he's driving a chariot, um, that he is so different from anyone else. That to ask the question, what's to keep me from being baptized? pretty much everything, buddy. But instead, what Philip does, listening to the Spirit, he gets out of the chariot, he walks to the water, both of them enter the water, and the Ethiopian eunuch is baptized. And if you were wondering if this was a sham conversion, if this was, you know, Luke doing the good job of telling a preacher story about how effective the church has been in Acts, Philip is whisked away by the Spirit to another zip code, and is rejoicing as he continues to tell people about Jesus. 
I mean, if there were doubters in the house tonight about whether the Ethiopian eunuch was called by God, forgiven by God, and became a a follower of Jesus Christ, you've got three places where the Spirit shows up to make sure Philip doesn't deviate. It's a powerful story. Now, some uh, modern translators, modern interpreters, preachers, would say that this is a story about inclusion. That this is a, a great story to preach in the midst of the United Methodist denomination arguing about who's in and who's out, and that this would be a perfect way to describe that we should draw the circle wider. But you know me, I, I believe that the use of names in Scripture is powerful. Remember blind Bartimaeus? I made the argument that Scripture names Bartimaeus and Jesus uses Bartimaeus' name in such a way that later as they're reading this story, they've named Bartimaeus because Bartimaeus is part of the community. Bartimaeus sits on the back row. He's the one that wrote that last check so the uh, youth could go on the mission trip. He's the one that always brings donuts. He's the one that people can depend on. Blind Bartimaeus who got his start because Jesus gave him his sight. Now think about our scripture. Notice who's not named. It's the Ethiopian eunuch. His name isn't mentioned once. But Philip's name, over the course of 14 verses, is named seven times. Every other verse, you're reminded that Philip's in the mix. Is this really a story about the Ethiopian eunuch? Now, don't get me wrong. I believe that God can transform, forgive, and bring to faith whoever God wants to. But I think this is a story about Philip listening to God. Philip, who has nothing in common with the Ethiopian eunuch, is reminded not once, not twice, but three times that God can forgive and transform whoever God wants to. It's a powerful story. Now, I want to push a little bit harder, right? Because how many of us have encountered an Ethiopian eunuch? I imagine none. I haven't. I'm just guessing here, right? But imagine... Imagine if Dietrich Bonhoeffer was writing this story, the Ethiopian eunuch would be be replaced with a Nazi soldier. The Clarence Jordan, who was known for bringing about racial reconciliation in um, uh, South Georgia, if he was writing this story, the Ethiopian eunuch would have been a Ku Klux Klan member. That if you watch World Cup soccer, and a World Cup soccer, maybe a player on the German team were to write this story over the last two weeks, it would be a soccer player from Mexico that would be the Ethiopian eunuch. I'm not being racist, I promise. That's a real story. And if it was a Republican that was right in the story, the Ethiopian eunuch would be who? A Democrat, right? Are you getting the idea that it's a placeholder for people who we don't think are a part of the community? It's a placeholder for people who we think are just one step further than what God's grace can do. And we all have those people. I mean, just think in your mind, who are the people that are so far outside of God's grace that it's not even worth the time or the effort to share with them about the gospel, even if they're holding the Bible, reading it? Why waste your breath? We all know they're not going to come to faith. But yet God reminds us, reminds Philip, that who are we to determine where God's grace can go and what can be transformed and what can be made new and who might come to faith? I wonder where you draw the line 
I mean, because we're really good um, these days at drawing a line at the who's in and who's out, or to use kind of Hamilton language, the line between the sinners and the saints. Where do you put yourself? Where do you put others? And where do you find Philip in the mix? What is it like? I mean, Philip was really in a scarcity mode. He was terrified. His friend had just been stoned, Stephen. He wasn't really sure what was next, and he was running running at the behest of the Spirit, running straight into the arms of something completely different. Really, Lord, this? All right, imagine that moment. I I sometimes think that the American uh, Protestant church is running. (laughs) We're terrified, you know, that Constantinianism and blue laws and everything else, that whole duty piece has gone away. And so we're running, running, looking for somebody just like us to tell about the gospel so that they'll come and fill the pews and be part of what we do. But don't forget to listen to the Spirit's call, to listen to where God is calling us because sometimes those who need to hear the gospel might surprise us. One of the really interesting pieces of the Ethiopian eunuch is if you're familiar with church history, that you know that Ethiopia was one of those parts of Africa um, that was the earliest to come to faith, that became a stronghold for the faith in a very different environment, that there are places and spaces uh, where, um, where the faith took hold in Ethiopia better than it took hold in other places. And if you've gone hiking or traveling in Ethiopia, you know there are centuries-old monasteries where they still are preserving uh, papyrus texts that have been handwritten down generation by generation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I wonder, what if Philip had said, oh no, I'm not doing that. I do a lot of things. You know, but I won't do, it's kind of like a meatloaf thing, right? But I won't do that. What what if that link to the Ethiopian church, what if that opportunity for that part of the world to hear about Jesus, what if it didn't happen because Philip said, "Uh uh-uh? And so what are we doing when we say, "Uh uh-uh? It's an opportunity. Sure, it's a great story about draw the circle wide, but let's not get so focused on who is going to be in and out of the circle. Let's let God decide that. Let's just listen to what God encourages us to do. We've been spending a lot of time over the last four Sundays talking about um, the movie Wonder. It's a movie about a young boy named Augie who has facial deformities. He requires a number of surgeries, uh, surgeries to allow him to see and to hear and to smell and to taste and to speak. And so he has gotten to the age of of being uh, middle school, and his parents have decided that instead of just homeschooling him, that it's time to put him into public school because eventually he's going to have to encounter his uh, friends and the social stigma and all the bumps and bruises that come with it. And so we've been showing different clips along the way. I wanna show you a picture or a a, a video clip of where, um, so Augie usually sits by himself at lunch. Every time we've seen him at lunch, he has sat alone. There are a couple of other tables, one particularly is the the table of cool girls that all sit together. And there's a table of all cool boys who sit together. And Augie sits at a separate table completely alone. And the kids don't sit by him because they make fun of him. They say that the way Augie got the way he is is because he has the plague. And you don't want to sit near Augie or touch Augie because you might get the plague as well. Until one lunch, Summer, a, a very sweet girl, 
decides she's done with the cool girls table and she changes tables. Jake, would you run the clip? I wonder what happened. Maybe Jack touched Doggy and couldn't wash his hands in time. Jack finally got the plug. That's not very nice. Well, we didn't start it. Where are you going? Hi, I'm Summer. I know, we're in the same homeroom. You don't have to do this. Do what? You don't have to be my friend. I know Tushman talked to you. I don't know what you're talking about, Augie. I know Tushman talked to some kids before school started and told them they had to be friends with me. He didn't talk to me. Yeah, he did. No, he did not. Yeah, he did. No, he didn't. I swear on my life. Okay, okay. You don't have to get mad. I don't like being accused of things, okay? Okay, I'm sorry. You should be. She really didn't talk to you? Augie! Okay, I just... Why are you sitting here then? Because I want some nice friends for a change. Me too. Cool beans. But you'll get the plague. Good. Summer has the plague. Shut up! So, what happened with Jack Will? Thank you. <laughs> I love it. She ha puts out her hand and he says, you'll get the plague. And she says, so? <laughs> Shakes the hand. Um, and then the little girl says, oh my gosh, Summer has the plague, you know. It's amazing. For Summer, it wasn't about um, being nice to Augie. It wasn't about following what the teacher said. It wasn't about any of those expectations. It was simply that she wanted to have nicer friends, which was the same thing that Augie needed, nicer friends. Sometimes difference has little to do with who else is out there. Sometimes it has to do with us about loving ourselves, about offering kindness, about cultivating compassion, not just in ourselves, but in our family and in our community. That once we've cultivated compassion, people are not different, strange, or other. They might be just like us and wanting to find the same kind of connection with each other, the same kind of value and purpose and meaning that maybe the Ethiopian eunuch was looking for and that the Spirit encouraged Philip to walk over and to make a difference. Friends, I hope that you are listening, listening not to all of the politically correct talk that's out there, but to the power and voice of the Holy Spirit who might actually change our lives if we listen hard enough. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.